are listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Sometimes it's necessary to just take a break and be reminded of what we're here for. And often we will look to Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter number 28, verses 19 and 20, where, where Jesus gave those final words to his disciples for he left, where he said, uh, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And believe me, I'm going to be with you all the way to the end of the age. And, and we, we repeat those verses often. But we boil them down at Oasis Church to two words. If you've been around here for a while, then you know what those two words, if you've, you know what they are. If you hadn't been with us or you've never heard them stated before, well, you're about to hear them. And these are the things that you'll hear uh, very often because we believe that what Jesus left us to do can be boiled down to two things of which we're going to put all of our energies and efforts into these two things. Now, church, let's help those that aren't sure what those two words are understand what they are and so they can put them in their mental Rolodex with us. We believe that Jesus has called us to do what, church? Reach and teach. That's it. We're supposed to reach the lost. We're we're supposed to take the gospel to those who haven't heard. And then when someone trusts Jesus by faith, when someone trusts that they are broken by sin... When God reveals to them in their heart that they know, yep, I'm broken by sin, I get it, I'm a sinner, and, and, and I need something that I cannot do for myself, and they submit to what God in His Word has revealed is the answer to that sin problem, that's Jesus crucified and raised in our place for our sin. When we place our complete and full trust in the crucified and risen God the Son, And we trust that what he has done has provided for my great need and that by uh, repentance, by turning toward him in full assurance that we can be brought into the family of God, well, then we're followers of Jesus and now we need to be taught. What does it look like to follow him in this day and age while we're waiting for him to return? Well, that teaching process is what we'll call making disciples. And making disciples can be a little tricky. It can be a difficult thing to do. But but we try, we strive to have processes in place that naturally will lead someone in their discipleship if they will simply take advantage of the things that we have laid out for them. We, We can't make the horse drink from the creek water, but we can certainly take the horse to the creek. And and every horse that goes to the creek and drinks will be satisfied. We, We can't make the horse eat the grass in the field, but we can certainly provide it a place in which to eat. We can't make the horse respond to the rider, but we can certainly do all we can to help them understand their purpose and the cues of the bridle and the heels and the pressure points. 
So what we try to do as a church is fulfill our responsibility to reach and teach by, by making arenas for which you can step into and grow in your walk with Jesus. Become the disciple that he's called us to be. And you get to be a part of the process while you're being discipled to be a part of the discipling of other folks. It's a wonderful thing. And, and, and if, when it works and, and we're, we're embracing those opportunities, it's a beautiful thing. So what we want to do is we want to take the next four weeks and talk about our four anchor points at Oasis Church. There's four of them. It, like an assembly line. It's, it's those things that we will try to encourage everyone to embrace for the purpose of fulfilling the call that Jesus has put on us, not only to be disciples, but to make disciples. And we're going to go through those for the next four weeks. And then the last week, August the 28th, we will have our annual Next Step Luncheon. That means in four weeks, plan to stay for lunch. It'll be simple. It'll be like a sandwich and some chips and a drink so that you can quickly move back to the, to the back, eat a bite, and then we're going to have laid out for you the opportunity to take your next step in your own personal discipleship journey. And at the same time, you'll be taking a step toward the involvement in another being discipled. So if you're not already thinking the question, I hope over the next four weeks, you will continue to ask yourself, what's my next step? What's my next step here at Oasis Church? Today we want to talk about the anchor point that we call connect. Four verbs are our anchor points. Connect, serve, grow, go. Today we just want to flesh out what we mean by connect. First, to just kind of set the foundation as we think about connection. It's a word that's thrown around. We hear it in all types of context. You probably have a meaning because of how that word connection is used in your life. But you'll notice our little icon is a puzzle piece. If you like doing puzzles, well, I don't understand your brain. But if you like doing that, then you know you will spend hours upon hours trying to figure out how those little voids and extensions fit together to make the picture of the kitten hanging on to the limb or whatever it is that you're looking at. Connection. You see, in a puzzle... You can't force things together, but you can take how they're designed and fit them. And when they're all fit together, they make a beautiful picture or representation of something that, that it is a reflection of. Same way with connection for disciples. First, let me just lay the foundation that God has designed humanity for connection that I'm going to call community. Now, when I say community, maybe you're thinking about a 90s sitcom on NBC called Community. It was kind of funny, but not really funny. 
Maybe you're thinking about a subdivision with a, with a, a front to it, with a, a, a name that's placed on it. That, that that's our community that we live in. Or, or maybe you think more broadly in, in the, the community that you have of folks that you know in the arenas in which you live, whether it's home or work or play or, or school or wherever you are. You might think about that community of people. We think about that in terms of human relationships, but understand that God designed us for that. Genesis 1.27, God says, when I, make cre- uh, when I create human beings, I'm going to create them in our own image. You see, God made humanity in some way to accurately reflect the person of who God is. And we know God, the person, is actually one God, three persons. And we know them identified as, help me if you know them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Guess what? For all eternity, God Himself has existed in perfect community. Three distinct persons, one God. So it makes perfect sense that when God creates humanity in His image, that He creates within us a component of His design that is for community. In fact, he makes this point very clear in the creation process. He makes all the things that he's going to make. And then he makes the man. And he brings the man and shows him everything that he's created. And he leads the animals in front of the man to name the animals. I'm wondering where he got hippopotamus. What is it about that animal that caused him to say whatever it was in whatever language he spoke But at any rate, Adam named, the man named the animals. And what God allowed him to see was that he would bring a male and a female. He would bring a male and a female. He would bring a male and a female. Because God created the animals in a community of reproduction. Male and female. Male and female. And God did it over and 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 over till all the animals were named. And then he gave Adam the chance, I think, to just ponder on that for a minute. Adam, what's different about everything you've seen thus far and your own situation? I think Adam was very keen to what God was showing him. Is that the man was created incomplete. He was created in an incomplete situation. On purpose. Guys, you're incomplete. And you and I all know it. But even before sin... God had created humanity not to be fully independent. He created us with needs. I love the way Sylvester Stallone put it when he was acting in the, in the role of Rocky. He's, he's trying to communicate his love to Adrian. 
And she's saying, well, why, why are you interested in me? And, and, and why would you want he's And he says, you know what he says. Well, I got gaps and, and you got gaps and I just figure that my gaps and your gaps complete one another. Good, good job, Rocky. That's exactly how God made us. That's exactly how God designed it. He says in Genesis 2, 18, he says, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not a good thing for you to be alone. And Adam knew that was, in fact, the reality of his life. So what did God do? He caused him to go into a deep sleep. He opened up his flesh, took one of his ribs, and he created what man called the woman. I know, y'all know the joke. I'm not going to tell it. It's too cheesy. And I don't like cheesy. <laughs> God created man and then showed him his incompleteness because man was created for community. Most specifically, the community of marriage. So he designed man and woman to complement one another. You know something, I'll tell you for free. Not even in your notes. When he says, I'll make a help meet, you understand he was not making a Robin to Batman, right? You understand that? He was not making a sidekick. He was making a strong helper. Meaning where Adam was weak, she, Eve, would be strong. Where Eve is weak, Adam would be strong. And so God made us and designed us in the, in the smallest capacity as a family, and it fits right. It's God's design. Church, I promise you, to the very best of my ability, I will do all I can to love our culture. But I will, we as a church, will not condone the family relationship outside of the way God designed it. We're just not going to do it. We're going to love folks. We're going we're to walk with folks. But we're going to stick with how God designed male and female. And it's not mean and it's not unloving, but I can't control how others take that and then define it for me. I just know what God says, and that's where we're going to stand. Even if it gets uncomfortable. And even if uncomfortable means it begins to hurt, that's where we're going to stand. Because that's how God designed it. But understand that the family is not the, the sole idea of community that God created. You see, he designed us with, a, with the family to reflect that intimate relationship that God has in the Godhead. And then we as individuals and families are to recognize that we're interdependent on one another as well. The community just gets larger. Because he told the man and the woman to do what? Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. Why? Because God values community 
And he designed humanity to exist in community. Now that's just the foundation of how God made. Look, I get it. It, If you back up, and I've had this conversation with us, if you back up and you go, I don't believe in creation. I don't believe that God created. I believe in evolution. I, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe what it says. Well, then none of this makes sense, and I get it. I'm just choosing to let my worldview be founded and grounded in God's Word. And if that's where I'm going to start, then I back up and go, okay, God designed us for community. But then he also specially designed his people for a special community. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 2, God calls apart a gentleman by the name of Abraham, well actually his name was Abram at the time, but he called this fellow apart and he says, I'm going to do something unique through you. I'm going to create in you not something that has never been created before, but I'm going to take you as a starting point, as a natural born Chaldean of a pagan descent, worshiping pagan gods, I'm going to take you because you have obeyed me. You've listened to my voice. You've abandoned the pagan uh, lifestyle of your past. And you followed me to a place I didn't even tell you where you were going. So you're with me. So I'm going to take you and I'm going to create out of you a whole nation. A brand new nation. We know this to be the nation of Israel, the Jews, the Hebrews. But hey, remember, it's not going to happen with just Abraham. You you remember what else had to be in place for for this to happen? Sarah, his wife. See how God just working all these things together, making it happen just like he intended. And I'm going to make out of you a whole nation. And that nation is going to do so many more things than I've got time to explain this morning. But the very least of which this nation was going to be a community of people who were hearing specifically and directly from God about how they were to, as a community, follow Him. And also, that community was going to be the vehicle through which God sends the one who was going to ultimately bless all nations through his sacrifice, his death and resurrection. And so God set apart, created a whole new nationality of people in the man Abram, who became Abraham, and out of them came a community of God's people. That community throughout the Old Testament showed just how impossible it is for a community of people to obey God on their own. In their own strength, with their own capacity, they showed over and over and over again just how impossible it was to do that. And so therefore, when Jesus walked onto the scene, what does he demonstrate? He demonstrated perfect obedience to his Father. What the community could not do, he could as a member of the community. And then as a member of humanity, he was able to produce a community apart from just the Israelites. And he created an entity that you and I know as 
the church. You see, what Jesus was preaching was it's, it's not your Israeli blood that saves you. Because it wasn't Israeli blood that saved Abraham before Abraham was even an Israel. And if you think about it, it wasn't even Israel until after sons on top of sons were born. So it was just the people of Abraham. He wasn't even in the community because of what his nationality was. He was in the community because of his faith, because of his belief. And so what Jesus established is a community made up of Jews and Gentiles, which, by the way, a Gentile is anybody who's not of Jewish descent, so it's everybody. He makes a community of anyone and everyone who will, by faith, trust him. We're called the church. Now, the church is both universal in its aspect. We are in the community of the church that is alive in the United States. We are part of that same community that is active in Iran, in Russia, in Indonesia. All over the world, we still make up parts of the universal church, but there's also the local aspects. The Oasis Church. The People's Church. Down the way. The village church of God over here faith baptist church up the road the local expressions of the universal church now let's talk about how God's same design for humanity same design for Israel is lived out in the church and let's let his word communicate that to us first we're going to look at first Corinthians chapter number 12 we're going to let Paul tell us how we are to look as followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, let me back up. Are you a follower of Jesus today? Some of y'all had to think for just a second. I'm going to ask it again. Are you a follower of Jesus today? Okay. If you are a follower of Jesus, these scriptures are communicating to you. This is explaining to you how you feel fit in the church. Here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. Paul says, just as the body, and he's talking about these things that we're walking and talking and things we dress this morning. Just like the body is one. There's only one of y'all. I know you wish there was a, a, like a clone you could have, do laundry and a clone to clean up the kitchen and a clone to change diapers and then so you could just lay around and watch Netflix. I'm with it. I get it. But there's not one. It's just you. There's one of them. Just like the body is one and has many members, head, shoulders, knees, thank you, toes, has many members, though they are, are and, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Just like your body has a lot of members, some of them you can see, some of them are inside the skin. You can't see them, but they're there. Some of them are gone because of surgery now, but most of them are there. Just, just as those are all working together, yet are one body, so it is with the followers of Christ. You are a part of the body. He goes on to say, for in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whose body? Christ's body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, 
all were made to drink of one spirit. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what situation you are in, incarcerated or free. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't matter what your past contains. It doesn't matter what you think. Look, all that come to Christ by faith are brought in as members of one body. He goes on in verse number 26 of the same chapter. And he expounds on that by saying, if one member suffers, all suffer together. You ever hit your finger with a hammer? You ever stubbed your toe at night? Yes, the acute pain may be on the thumb or the toe, but the whole body is doing the jumping around and screaming. If one suffers, all suffer. But if one member is honored, all rejoice together unless they get jealous and make it a bad thing. Because we all make up one. Here's what he says, verse 27. You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. If you know Jesus as your Savior today, you are a thumb or a finger or an eyeball or an eyelash or, or, or a, a toenail or maybe you're a pancreas or you're, you're a part of the family of God. You're a part of the body and you're needful and you're necessary. We're made up of many interdependent, interconnected pieces. Are you getting what I'm throwing? God designed us for community. Okay? Let's look at Ephesians chapter number 4. Verse number, let's see, 4 through 6. We're going to hit this one next week. But let's just get a head start on it. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He says that we are a community of common denominators. What are those common denominators? Well, we have one faith, meaning we trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. We're not trusting in Jesus and Allah. That's not how it works. We're following Jesus and Jesus alone, crucified in our place, risen to provide our justification. We, we worship Him and Him alone. But we also have the common denominator of the Holy Spirit. That thing that, that makes us all the same, even though we're all uniquely and by design different. It's that common denominator of the one spirit that resides within us. That will bring us together and never cause us to divide just because of the differences we have with one another. And we have the same God and Father. We pray to Him, He's the same. We have common denominators created for unity, created for community by God's design. And then when we jump to Hebrews chapter 10, He gives instructions, the writer to the Hebrews does. 
He's writing to them about their life as they're living it out as followers of Jesus in a hostile world and in a time where where they were trying to stomp out anyone who would name the name of Christ as one to be worshipped. In verse number 24 and 25 of Hebrews chapter 10, he says, Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting the meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, it's not enough to know that we've been designed for community. It's not enough to know that we have the common denominators that bring us together and bring us to the same spot, even in our differences. We have to recognize that that community is something that has to be stepped into. Maybe a better way of stating it is waded into. Have you ever gotten into water that you weren't really sure about? You needed to get something or connect something, but you had to get out there. You didn't want to go. It's better out here on the dry land. You knew there were things that you might have to navigate. There might be things in that water that I'm not aware that's in there. I don't really want to go in there. I'd rather stay out here where it's dry and safe and where I just am more comfortable. But there came a point where you recognize that if for me to accomplish the thing I need to accomplish, i got to wade out there in the water. Oh, and you're stepping, you're feeling around because it's just a little uncomfortable. You see, that's how God has designed this community. That we might come to one another. You know why it's dark and murky and, and a challenge to us? It's because of all the sin that's resident within all of us that makes it weird. You think about it. God made the first man and woman naked. And it wasn't weird. Right? That's really weird now. Why? Because sin has broken what God had intended. And so we look at the water of community and we're just like, mm, that's messy right there. That's gonna be squishy up under my feet. I, oh, it might be a little, that might be a little too cold. I, that might be a little warmer than I'm intending. Oh man, there's stuff floating in that water. I don't wanna get in there. Why? Because of sin. But God has called us to wade out into the community that he has designed us for. He's called us to it. And he said, you need to be out there with your brothers and sisters. See, up here on the side of the shore, that's not where you're going to truly be safe. That's not where you're going to truly grow. You're going to be isolated. You're going to shrivel up and you're going to die. What you need to do is roll your pants legs up and get out in that community where it's messy and grimy and you find the fellowship of your brothers and sisters. That's where you're going to find safety. That's where you're going to find opportunity to grow. That's where you're going to find opportunity to help others grow. Connection. In the New Testament, there's over 50 uh, one another instructions. There's 
over a hundred of them, but, but 50 of these are of a nature of communicating to followers of Jesus. They're instructions for believers to engage with one another for the benefit of one another. And here are some of the one another's. We are to love one another. Jesus himself gave his disciples that commandment. He said, I'm going to boil it down to you boys. I'm going to give you one commandment to follow. Love one another. How are we supposed to do that, Jesus? Just like I've loved you. Oh, well, shoot. That seems hard. Yeah. We need to practice. And we got to wade into it. He's called us to encourage one another. You know why? Because sometimes we go through times of discouragement. Sometimes we find ourselves in times of depression. And we need one another. We want to isolate. We want to curl up. We want to be by ourselves. God says that's not where you're going to find encouragement. You're going to find that in the community where it's messy and it's vulnerable. And it's where I don't want to be because of sin that I just don't want to be that real with somebody. But it's what we need. Love and courage bear one another's burdens. It happens out there in the murky. Comforting one another, welcoming one another, caring for one another. We don't like this one. Submitting to one another. And on and on. You see, it's how God designed us. It's for what He fit us together. And then He said, get out there into the mire with one another. Because out there is where the work of Jesus is going to be happening. And I want you together, and I want you encouraged, and I want you strengthened, and I want you rubbing shoulders so that you know you're not alone. And and in that context is how you're going to face the enemy. What, What did Jesus say to Peter? He said, on this rock I will build my church. And and hell's gates won't be able to overcome the church if we're operating as the body instead of a bunch of Lone Ranger believers. Lone Ranger believers get shot down, buried out in the middle of the desert somewhere. But when we're together and the wagons get circled, the enemy's like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. God said, I know that's how I designed it. Connection. It's what we need. Disciples of Jesus obey Him by embracing the community we're designed for. In that community where we will be built and we'll have the opportunity to build up one another. That's it. That's all the defense I'm going to give for the need to connect. If that's not enough, I don't know what else to tell you. So I'm going to shift gears. And I'm just going to say on the basis of what God has designed us for, on the basis of what God has created the church for, that I'm going to tell you how we connect or how we try to encourage life-giving connection at Oasis Church where you'll find love and comfort and encouragement and, 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 and even reprimand when you need it, but then you might also need to be providing it. We provide corporate worship every Sunday. Every Sunday, we gather and we worship Jesus together as the body. And can I tell you something? Corporate worship is vital to your spiritual health as a believer. 
something that I've recognized. And, and I'm going to say these things. And just to understand, I, I'm just telling you what I see and, and, and how my heart sees it. Okay? And I'm just going to try to be real and honest and would love to be able to talk to anybody about what I mean. But, but, but just listen to me. Today's culture, and I've shared it with other pastors, today's culture sees corporate worship faithfulness as two times a month. Two times a month. Well, if that's two times a month out of 52 weeks out of the year, you cut that thing in half, you've got just a little over 25 weeks out of the year. You realize that you can cram those 25 weeks within the school year? Let's take the whole summer off. Can I just... Can I, can I be your pastor, even if you don't see me that way? Even if you go, can I, you, I, just, I tolerate your preaching, but you're not my pastor. Okay, but can I pretend to be for a minute? That's not healthy. That's not. You see, we get together every week to do what? To, to even when we're not taking the elements, you know what we're doing? We're lifting Jesus up together. And we're looking at brothers and sisters in this community that are here together. And we're going, we're with him. You need that every week of your life. You do. Well, Pastor Kevin, you just don't understand. Yes, I do. You have babies, and I get it. You can't come out those ways. You get sick. I understand. We don't want you to come when you're sick. Hey, look, you, you have relatives that need your immediate help. you got to be there. Hey, I got one for you. You need to take a vacation. That's excellent. We all need that time. But you know what you can't take a vacation from? The body. I've told... I'm going to say this. It, understand, understand my heart of love, okay? I've told you know, pastor guys we get around. And I've said to them, they go, so how many of y'all run at Oasis Church? And I said, well, be all right honest with you. I'm not real sure. I, I think if everybody was there all at the same time, we might be around 225. You know, I might be where we're, and again, numbers aren't that big a deal. We might be around 225, but really the way it is in our culture, and it's, it's not just here, it's everywhere. You know, churches have an A team and a B team and a C team and a D team. The A team's here every week. They come all the time. That's that core group. And then the B and the C and the D team, decide which weeks they're going to come and it stays around that hundred mark why because everybody ain't here together and i know i get it everybody won't always be here together but what would it look like if everybody who saw oasis church as their ministry said you know what we're going to be there our family needs it and we're going to make that commitment because it's vital to our spiritual health. What, what would that look like? What, what would we be able to accomplish? How much would we be able to, to have traction under our feet? You need corporate worship. I don't take attendance and I haven't put you in a team. I just love you. And I want you to flourish in your walk with Jesus. And it's not going to come because of listening to me preach. But it is going to come in a part as we're here together and Jesus is lifted up and, and, and we're united. So I want you to be at corporate worship. But corporate worship's not connection. You know why? 
Because you spend just a few minutes, you speak to somebody, and then some don't even say you're not connected, you don't see, you don't interact, and that's just a bunch of little puzzle pieces just kind of get thrown together and mixed around a little bit, and then we gather up the pieces and we end corporate worship. It's vital, it's necessary, it's needful, but that's not connection. What's connection? You ready? I got three words for you. You might say they're six words, but I mashed the words up together, make one word, okay? If you've ever seen me print it, you see me mash them up. I'm going to put no space in between these words. You know what they are? Three words. Life groups, life groups, life groups. That's where connection happens at Oasis Church, in life groups. Life groups are intentional involvement. It's intentionally waiting out with a bunch of folks in a house. Oh, you know, I got to... Go in there with them, and it's not going to be church, and we're not going to be able to talk like we do at church. We're not, probably not going to say brother one time tonight. And going to go in there, and it's doing weird, and I don't know. Yeah, wading out in there where it's intentional. You know what it is? It's personal. You know what? Personal. I get it. God gets it. You need it. You're designed for it. And then it's a really, really ugly word. Here it is. It's vulnerable. You know, well, you might actually have to be real. Like the backpack of, of the stuff you carry. The life group's a place where like it might actually be important for you to set your backpack on your lap and start opening it up and talking about the stuff that's going on in your life that you need to be talking about. And you need the support of one another going on because they go through the same things. They're going to be encouraged to hear about what you're experiencing that they are. And there you're going to be encouraged by knowing you're not alone. Life groups, life groups, life groups. Where do you think connection happens at Oasis Church? In a life group. So we lay those life groups out for you. On the 28th, you're going to have them all to choose from. All the groups. And you say, well, my spouse won't attend. I'd love to come. Look, we got men's events, but I could sure use some help, guy. If, if you're wanting to be a part of that, I need some help with the men because I can't, I can't keep that that plate spinning in the air. So I need some help keeping the men events going on. But we got all kinds of lady stuff. I know because I live with one who plans all kinds of lady stuff where y'all can get together to be connected. Well, I don't like those folks. Well, God don't, he don't let you not like those folks. He says, I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear you're honest about not liking those folks. That's why I want you together with them. Because I want you to like them on purpose. I want you to like them because I like them. And I want you to find their purpose in your life. Life groups, women's groups, men's groups. Your kids being here on Wednesday nights for toast and, and basic training. The basic training student ministry has a small group aspect. Get them here. They need to be here. They need to be engaging in God's Word, and they need to be growing together. And then you got covenant partnership. What is that? Well, that's committed connection. Covenant partnership says, all right, I'm not just going to come here with y'all, and I'm not just going to be seen here with y'all. I'm going to tell y'all that you can count on me, and I want to be able to count on y'all as a partner on purpose as a partner with the same focus in mind. Under covenant, where I'm going to promise some things, and I know you've already promised some stuff, and we're going to walk this thing out together as a family. Covenant partnership. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus, 
God's designed you for connection, not isolation. If you're isolating from the community, you're on your own and you're vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy in a way that you won't be when we're all mired up in community, holding hands together. You you need it. God made you for it. And we provide for that opportunity in life groups. We provide for that opportunity in covenant partnership bringing one another together. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to take it personally. I want you to take these words. I want you to take it personally. Number one, connecting in the body as a disciple begins with faith in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can join all the life groups. not going to do you a bit of good except continue to point you to Jesus And and, and hopefully you answer the call to embrace him as crucified in your place and for your sin. As risen, victorious, and, and the inviter of you into the family of God by faith and faith alone. Connection begins with faith in Jesus. But let's take it personally. And as you think about who you are, if Oasis is your church, I'm just going to ask you, would, would you commit to be in here all the time? Except when it's just unavoidable. Except when, it, when it's just not possible. But you just, you look at one another as a family and you just go, you know what, let's just, let's don't be that statistic. Let's pursue our spiritual health and let's, let's just commit to be there. We need them, they need us. Let's just see what will happen. And then lastly, if Oasis Church is your church, decide to get involved in a life group. you got three weeks to pray about it. we got a young lady over here, Andrea Napier, who is, is our life group coordinator extraordinaire. She would love to get a personal information from you of, hey, we'd like to be a part of a life group. We don't know where to start. We're going we're gonna to lay it out for you on the 28th, but she'd love to get a head start. If God's already said, no, we want to be a part. Hey, maybe you're saying we'd like to lead a life group. Man, that'd be awesome. We're always in need of life group facilitators. But we just want you to pray about it. And if this is your church, decide that you're going to wade out into the mess And you're going to experience connection as God has designed it to be. We want you at Oasis Church to be a disciple who grows. And we know you need that connection. I need that connection. And we also want you to be a disciple who helps others to grow. And that won't happen if you're not connected to those disciples together. Does that make sense? Cool. God designed us for connection. We provide the opportunity. We hope that you'll take advantage of that by drinking deeply of what we provide. Let's stand together. As we think about connection, we think about our need. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for how you made us. God, thank you for your wisdom and how that works even as we are in a 
a broken society with, with sin still resident in us, even though we've been set free from its captivity, God, we still wrestle with it. We still want to just isolate and be alone and, and not let others in, but at the same time, that means we can't involve, be involved in the lives of others that you've called us to be. So help us to see the necessity of connection. Help us to see the blessing of connection. And then give us the courage, God, to wade into vulnerable, personal, needful community so that our spiritual health will, will be in a, in a positive direction and that we might be useful to those you want to put us in contact with. Father, I pray for that one who might not yet be a follower of Jesus, that they may recognize that first and foremost, it begins by being connected to you by faith. And faith alone in Jesus, your son. May that be their reality today. God, we love you. We know there's a lot to do in the week to come. We pray your blessing on everything we do and say. May it be in your name and for your glory. We love you. We trust you. First in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...